As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Why Always Us. It's your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee's here. Hello. And so is Paul Bias. Hello, guys. Finally here. You can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for £1 a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to sign up. You get these podcasts without the ads as well, so sign up at theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, bit, in, bit of uh, kind of news for the week before we get into the real um, kind of meat and drink of the uh, of this week's show, Sam. Um, Calvin Phillips, done deal. 42 million plus add-ons confirmed on Monday. Um, cheap deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is cheap. Um, I seem, I seem to, to to believe that a lot of Leeds fans are pretty unhappy with the price. Um, yeah, it's it's a strange one, but we did explain it in an article that was published on on Monday when the, when the deal was finally agreed and confirmed and announced and all of that. Um, you know, there's this polls info. They he had a release clause of twenty four million. If Leeds had gone down, so obviously City were rubbing their hands together. It didn't happen. So then in theory, you'd think, okay, well, Leeds can just say, well, we want 60, 70 million because he's homegrown, he's placed for England, you're Man City, this is how it's going to be. Um, but yeah, they still managed to get him for 42 plus, what, 3 million in add-ons, which, like we say, is, is pretty cheap. Um, and that was just because, it's in the article, but it was the classic City thing of getting that kind of agreement locked in before the end of the season, knowing that the player wants to come, knowing that there's no real other buyers so Leeds were like, right, well, this is happening, isn't it? There's not a lot we can do about this. I mean, I still don't know specifically why they were able to set that price at the yeah. early 40s. Um, but yeah, they knew with him changing agents, with you know Stella being able to negotiate it and you know make the transfer happen, the fact he's got two years left on his deal. Um, so if he doesn't go this summer, he's only going to get cheaper. Yeah, it, it resulted in being a pretty cheap deal. I mean, it's a really good article as well, um, mainly because most of the info is from Phil Hay and Paul. Um, Come on. there's stuff in there about true or many which, which people if people want to hear now they can hear Paul speak about regarding true or many and how City went for Phillips instead yeah I was going to I was going to say Paul in terms of um, uh, value for money he kind of represents the, bo- the, the best for value for money and position in the squad status that sort of thing yeah of course I think that in terms of money it's kind of a fair deal for City and a good one probably the best one that they could Get, but it's not a good deal just money wise. I think that it's also like about 
like understanding the role that you have that you need to have on this team because no one in the world as i said on the previous podcast no one in the world can be ahead of rodri right now but still city needs to have a rodri backup because i mean i don't want it but just imagine that 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 just rodri gets injured in march or 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 in april when city is playing on the quarterfinal of the champions league and you need the player to put in there so i think that phillips it's not just that he's not just a rodri backup but he can occupy like any gap in the middle which gives Pep a kind of like um, ability to play in several positions that he loves that basically and yeah I think he's it's a perfect deal probably not the best player in terms of a stat and like with the scouting department that 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 City have not the best player that could fill that role because as Sam was saying Chouameni was a scout he was followed he was really admired but you just have to see the price. I mean, it was off the cards for for City, um, and yeah, basically that's how Phillips like ticked all the boxes in that regard. And Sam, you mentioned uh, the agent change. Um, he's got the same agent as Grealish now. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just it's just know how basically. I mean, I'm never really sure how much to talk about agents and what they do and being good at their jobs or whatever because it always feels kind of hush hush and. You know, I don't, I don't know the the main fella at, at Stella or the main fellas. Um, I don't know how much they'd appreciate it being talked about. But I mean, the thing with Grealish was he had the clause in his contract. So ultimately, Villa, as much as they tried to get out of it, they had to sell to see, even though they did try and get out of it for the best part of a week. Um, there was no clause after Leeds stayed up, of course. But it's, I think it's just the kind of the know-how. These top agents, they know how to get things done. Um, you know, sometimes when players have got family members doing it, they can be they can be good. It's not a case that all family members who are agents are bad. But obviously, the comparison last summer with Grealish say, and with Kane, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the reason Grealish is at City and Kane isn't is because Kane had some kind of verbal open to interpretation agreement that he could go that suddenly became oh well, very wishy washy and it didn't happen. Grealish's was in his contract, so that was the main difference there. But yeah. Um, Changed over agent. The agent's got a good relationship with City, which I mean, look, most most top agents and a lot of medium, medium and small agents do because that's you know what Cheeky Bagheerstein's good at. Um, but yeah, it, it just helps move things over. I think they knew that. Let's say if it had been Calvin Phillips's cousin, who was a bit wet behind the ears, maybe Leeds would have tried to play them a bit more. But I, I get the impression that because it was Stella, they just went, "Oh fuck! All right, come on then. Let's just let's just get this sorted out as quickly as possible." Yeah, and Champions League uh, football, obviously a big driver as well, Paul. There was interest, I, I believe, uh, from the piece that there was interest from West Ham and Villa as well, but it, it was only ever City he wanted. Yeah, 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 he wanted City. And I think that he, that, that well, I don't think that, I know that, that City were aware from months ago that Phillips wanted to go there, that it was like his only thought and that gave them like some leverage and a privileged position to start the negotiations from. Um, so yeah, I think that, in that regard, City were quite calm, uh, knowing that Phillips wanted to play for them. Yeah, um, a, a couple of details that were also in the uh, in, in the in the piece, Sam. Just a word on James McAtee because um, there was there was Leeds interest in him, and he might still move later in the window. But he's keen on breaking into the City first team, isn't he? Yeah, well, I mean, this is basically not it's not really an awful lot to worry about. Um, you'd think there's kind of two sides to it, and they are what the player wants and what the club wants and McAtee wants to stay and play at City and get Cole Palmer's minutes and City want to keep him 
and use him more in the first team. Now, I don't know how often that's going to happen in reality, but that's what they want. So I'm not trying to make a kind of market for James McAtee. Um, but it's not always quite as simple as, you know, well, he wants to stay and the club want to keep him. Because let's just say, for example, and this, you know, this isn't just plucked out of thin air, but if, if somebody were to make an offer of like more than 15 million, then obviously City might think, oh, okay, shit, how much is this guy actually worth to us? Is this a good opportunity for him to go elsewhere? If we get a buyback, could we get him back? You know, could he go and thrive elsewhere permanently, let's say Leeds or wherever? And then in two years, we could buy him back for 40 million and he come, comes and plays with us. Great. You know, it, it's just that situation of it's possible that somebody comes in and makes a bid because so many people want him. It's like there's stories about people wanting him on loan. At the moment, I don't see him going anywhere on loan just because it's not it's not about that at the minute. They want to keep him around. The only thing that could maybe potentially happen, but I think it's a small chance, is if somebody makes a big offer and all of a sudden everybody thinks, yeah, that's actually a really good deal. But like I say, right now, I think he's just focusing on going pre-season and getting the kind of minutes that Cole Palmer got. And then, um, yeah, City's pretty much the same. They, they want to keep him around. So that, yeah, that, that's where it is really with that one. Yeah, just a question uh, from Aaron um, on agents. Does Sterling have one now with the imminent move to Chelsea? Because um, that was that was part of the, um, the the problem with negotiating a contract with with Sterling was that it, they were negotiating directly with him, and the season was ongoing, wasn't it, Sam? If I recall rightly, I'm not sure that was so much the problem. I think you know with Sterling, it was more he left his agent. There are certain. I think if you sign a new deal soon after you leave an agent, the old agent gets. Is you know he's entitled to a portion of it, Um, and let's just say that may have been something that Sterling wanted to avoid. I think so. I think that was more an issue there in terms of agents and changing. So I guess with this one, I guess um, Phillips's old agent, unless it's different for transfers, would be entitled to to something. Um, But yeah, so that's initially one of the reasons why Sterling was like, "I'm not going to sign anything yet. Let's just wait." But obviously, since that, let's just wait period. He's had basically two seasons, or well, not two seasons. He's had the running of last season and this whole season um, of not playing so much, and it's kind of escalated from there. Yeah. Um, Paul, an interesting question from uh, Tom Edwards as well. Uh, he says, uh, ironically, is it the players who are sold with buyback clauses are the ones that uh, who have the best chance of making it at City? If players are loaned out, they tend not to be good enough for the first team. Does this mean that Doyle uh, going to Sheffield United and Harwood Bellis going to Burnley, their time's probably passed? Uh, he's kind of right. I mean, he's he's a spot on, in my opinion. Um, not just probably that time has passed for Tommy Doyle or for Hardwood Bellis because City still have them on property. And of course, they can earn money like on future sales and stuff. But of course, the buyback clause indicates that City sees that player with a chance to make it with the first team. That's the case of, of, of Romeo Lavia. And I think that if James McAtee has a slim chance to go away, it will be the same case. I don't think he will live. I think he will stay on the first team, as Sam was saying. But um, he's that kind of player. He's like regarded with that um, high pedigree. Um, and something that I think is interesting in uh, in that sense uh, as well is a thing that I've, I've, I think that we've seen with with Chikivigiristain under the last season. Is that he's like, it's a given that he will insert a sell-on clause in there. I think that Chiki has kind of seen that probably like 10 years ago, like the mid-table teams of the Premier League were like selling 
for 20, for 20 million and buying for 5 million. And now all the mid tables or low or just lower table teams can afford to buy for 20 million and sell for 40, 50, 60 million. So putting a sell on close in there, it's quite a big move for City in terms of like um, bringing fresh money to the balances and stuff. Um, and I think that, well, um, he has done that with Gavi Mazunu. Um, I'm sure he will do that with Samedozi if he ends up leaving to Bayer Leverkusen as it was discussed. Um, so, yeah, it's something that City has had in mind. Just that, I think that identifying that, that now like the mid-table teams or the lower-table teams can afford doing this kind of business. Yeah, and like if Lavia goes to Spurs or something for 60 million in a few years, then City will get a... The salon there, yeah, like I say, it's, it's another good way to make money yeah, financially yeah. for the club. It's been quite funny seeing some of the tweets, that, um, like replying to like Sky Sports or the Athletic or whatever. You know, when we say you're selling to a young player for like ten million, and people are replying, going like, "Oh, it's a fix. It's dodgy. It's like they're literally just selling players. Like they're literally selling highly rated young players to willing Premier League clubs." But like Egan Riley, he's gone like for like four hundred grand, I think, because he was. What, the end of his contract or had a year left? I can't remember. There's so many young transfers. But he's got a 30% salon fee, hasn't he? So Egan Riley's been like England captain for like 14, 15, 16, 17s, whatever. Now going to get a good move in the championship. So he, like, even if, like, let's say Burnley come up and then um, they sell him for like 10 million in a couple of years, then they'll get like 3 million for that. You know, it, it's just, yeah, they've they've invested loads of money in the academy. They've got a really good setup in like making it work they obviously the win trophies the players have got really high reputations around the country they know there's a bit of a bottleneck in terms of first team opportunities at city it's not easy as we know from a million reasons so people want to come and buy them and yeah obviously city go okay we'll, we'll maybe have to accept a lower fee now but if we can get them back if they're amazing in future or we can at least benefit from them again then yeah we'll put those clauses in so and yeah in terms of the players going permanently it probably is probably is, in this case, uh, more of an indicator of their quality. But I think players going out on loan could you know, still have the same chances to succeed as, as, as one's being sold permanently. It, uh, it takes me back to uh, the noughties, though, Sam, when uh, United used to bring players through and they'd have, they'd, have, they'd have somebody play two games for the first team and then that would add an extra £10 million to the price tag. And we'd all sit here, like, us as City fans would sit around and go, well, it's, it's just it's it's just it's some absolute scam that teams pay them yeah. this sort of money. And then it yeah. turns out, actually, no, teams just pay money for, for, for young players sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing about Darko Giabi going to Leeds for £5 million. Like, he's not even been on the first team radar, has he, in terms of, like, we've not written articles about him being around the first team for League Cup squads or whatever. I mean, I know they like him and he's highly rated. Um, but to get five million for a player who's not even been around that Guardiola squad in terms of match day things, it, it, go, it kind of goes to show that that reputation. It shows their ability. Because obviously City bring through loads of Manchester players now. Um, but obviously the ones they bring in, like Giabi, like Adozi, um, like Lavia, uh, like Delap, you know, the, the players they bring in, and they're still bringing in more players now from the UK, they're really highly rated. So even if it gets to a point where they're 18, 19, 20, they're not in the first team, then you know some, somebody will come and get them. Like Bino Gittins at, at Dortmund, you know, people who work with him at City talk about him like he's going to be like a, a world superstar. And you know, he, he was one of the ones brought to the club as well. So on the one hand, you say, you'd wish they were still there. You know, If Sancho and Bino Gittins were still at City, you'd be thinking, bloody hell, this is, this is looking good. But on the other hand, even though they're not there, it does go to show the the pedigree of players they can attract and they know how to bring in. 
um, and then they can make them money. Although I probably should say that that was, I think everybody I've just mentioned was brought in by Joe Shields, and he's the guy going to Southampton to do their like first team recruitment. Um, so that's an interesting one, but maybe, maybe something to look at later on in the in the year or the summer. Question from uh, Law Lass, uh, Paul, because uh, I'm very aware that I've asked you this three podcasts running now and I've uh, not not really uh, <laughs> clarified the answer. Um, he says, sorry if this is repetitive, maybe I'm being a bit dense, but I'd appreciate a good explainer around the one out, one in line. Uh, is it money? Is it squad depth? Is it something else? I think we need a few more bodies going into the season and surely we're not broke. Well, uh, I'm going to try to uh, explain it in the best way possible. I think it is a money thing. It's not that the club is broke, but it is that they want to manage and run the club on a sustainable way, basically. Uh, Haaland deal was worth it like every penny. That's what the club feels, but it was around 100 million like on agent fees and stuff. So it was pretty expensive. So I think that City is kind of um, being aware of how they manage the money basically and they know that they cannot go like over the line or they don't want to overspend they want to do it like in a sensible way and it's just the way it is right now uh, on the same time um i think that the club wasn't expecting the money that they are getting like on youngsters or on young prospects i think they are getting far more than what they were expecting so that's a bonus but yeah, it was basically just a sensible way of managing the club. That's that's from my understanding and what I've been getting. I think I think my worry, Paul, is that we get to. I mean, let's let's put ourselves in the same situation as as happened last season. They get to that week where they have a big Premier League game, two tough Champions League ties, and, a, and an FA Cup semi final. And ultimately, at the end of the week, we go well. The squad just isn't deep enough to to, to cope with all of this. And and that there's there's so much quality in the squad already. But just sometimes it looks like there's a lack of numbers in there sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I get your point. But that's the thing. I mean, Pep wants to have short squads. He prefers to have it that way just to, it's easier in terms of man managing, man, man management, sorry. Um, and it's better for him. It's better for him. But basically, that's just what he prefers, just to have a short squad. And if he has to rely on, on some players, just on the multifunctional skills that they have, um, just go with it. But it's just how Pep wants it, basically. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Just a, a couple more uh, questions before we we kind of carry on down this line. Um, uh, we, Aaron says again, things have gone quiet on Kukurea. Is he still a main target or have they moved on to other players? A winger to come in or youth movement in full effect, that sort of thing? If they'd moved on, it wouldn't be quiet. If, they, if they'd moved on, they'd have said, well, the deal's dead. You'd, you'd know if they'd moved on. I, I mean, Paul can crack on with the Kukurea stuff. But when, sorry, but when people ask me, oh, things have gone quiet, oh, it really annoys me. Because <laughs> like, so, so much stuff is done quietly. And I know like it's, 
you know, generally we're very good at like staying on top of things and giving updates and stuff. But like, th- one, things take time, and two, like things are often done quietly. Like, just because there's not something on City Extra every five minutes doesn't mean that it's, it's not happening. It really annoys me that. Anyway, Paul, Paul knows what's going on with Kukurea. The, I mean, the, the other question that's come in is if neither Zinchenko or Ake are sold, does that mean Kukurea won't happen? So, um, just just to start, I think that the Kukurea thing basically didn't progress, if you want to call it that way, um, because City was just busy with a lot of stuff, with the, the goalkeepers, with um, there's been a lot of talk about the Sterling, about Ake. So, I think that there's been a lot of deals that's been that have been di- di- discussed and the Kukurea thing has had to wait, basically. Um, then there's this thing that Sam was commenting that... <laughs> Usually, like everyone wants to see updates and just to read new stuff, but things doesn't happen that quick or that fast, or just sometimes thing, things are not happening. And this is a normal thing because the transfer market is like long and there's a lot of time to do stuff. But I think um, this has been the case with the Cucurella. I think he's still a big target for, for Man City. Um, and as on the start of the negotiations, it was a condition to get one player out to, to get Kukurella in. Now, with the money that City are getting, I'm not that sure this is a 100% condition. I'm sure that City would be happy to uh, offload some some members of the squad just to make room for, for the new ones. But I think that City could afford that. But what it's going to take to have Kukurella in is a long discussion with Brighton. That's... That's just a starting point, and I think that it hasn't started like in the tough terms of the negotiations. Um, but yeah, for 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 what I get, Kukurelis Kamis is still waiting and wanting a city move and wanting a city transfer. So it's something that is going to be coming on the on the next weeks. I think that it's going to depend on Zinjenko and Ake as well as you were mentioning. I'm not sure Zinjenko is tempted to leave. That's the feeling I get. I'm not it's, sure. History, history tells us he uh, he likes to stick around when City yeah. are trying to sell him. Well, I mean, history tells us and like facts that he's happy at City. He's happy with life at City. He's happy with the role he's been having on the last seasons. So, um, yeah, there's this. Um, he he has had like several interests from from several clubs in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, if he's happy here. I mean. Um, it's just difficult to change things around. And with Nathan Ake, I think it's a different case because if Chelsea really wants him, which seems like a possibility, is they make a big, big offer, um, more than 50 million that probably that were reported last week, I think that City will have to think about it. And if Nathan Ake leaves, I think that City will go after a new centre-back um, because I think that time has proven that the team managed by Pep Guardiola needs to have four reliable centre-backs. Um, we we don't want to see uh, Fernandinho and, and Otamendi this season again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that if Nathan Ake is leaving, there's a big chance that the new centre-back is coming. Yeah, but then going back to the the squad size thing that Paul explained before and also the Churamani thing that we talked about, like if, if that happens, if he goes, let's say, for 40, 50 million, if Ake goes for that, and people will be like, oh, they can get Pal Torres for his release clause. They can get Delict because he's been linked. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of other top like centre backs like that. Big names come in, you know, for 50, 60 million. 
I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think that's how it's going to work. They they won't want another player expecting to start. Like they didn't want Chiromeni to come yeah, in and did. expect to start and play instead of Rodri because that's not the reality. And if you if you then come in as a fourth centre back, not necessarily fourth choice, but as you know, there's already three there, and the first three are all great and they all want to play. Two seasons ago, Laporte was out and Stones was in. Last season, it was more Stones was out, Laporte was in. Obviously, when Diaz got injured, they both played together really well. Um, you're not going to want to introduce somebody there as your new sign-in, 50, 60 million pound, a top player who wants to play for their country and all of this every week and play for City. And then it kind of disrupts the dynamic again. So if Ake does go, it'll be interesting to see who they do get because you'd imagine it will be either somebody who's a bit more senior, so maybe a big name, but they're older. And I'm just kind of going through hypotheticals now in terms of the type of profile of player who it could be. But maybe somebody who's a bit older, not expecting to play all the time. Or... It's somebody younger or it's somebody from, you know, like Brighton, Bournemouth, Leeds, who are just, in in a sense, obviously they want to play, but it's more like, wow, I can go and play for Man City and let's see what happens, rather than, well, I'm going to go and play 50 games a season kind of thing. So if Ake does go, it will be interesting to see who they get. And I suppose there's people listening to this thinking, well, could it be Luke Mbete? And I suppose in another world, it could be. Um, but I think it's very unlikely that that's the way Guardiola is going to want to go. You know, you're not going to want He's not going to want to put in somebody who's eighteen years old. Let's send it back. We are we are going to be back to the Johnny Evans days, maybe. See that? I mean, yeah. I mean, Johnny Evans is surely <laughs> too too far gone now in terms of age. But that's <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. that is a perfect example. I'd forgotten about that entirely. Um, yeah, exactly. So something like that. Obviously, if he didn't used to play for United, I think more City fans would be open to it. But yeah, exactly. Somebody like that profile, cheap, um, may maybe experienced. Or, you know, I don't know, if somebody in the Premier League that we've not thought of suddenly becomes available, they go and do it. But yeah, it will be somebody of that profile. I wouldn't be expecting like a big European name just because it's just it's not necessarily good for the for the squad to have that many people expecting to play all the time and being pissed off when they don't. Well, this is it. Like This is a situation Ake was signed into two years down the line. He probably hasn't played as much as he wanted. So now if he gets a big offer for a big club who are going to play him more, then why wouldn't you? Um but City might do that again, and two years later they have the same issue. But that's how they want to roll with it. And it's a it's a long road, and that's a very tempting can to kick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, look, we get to the situation now where this summer, like last summer, a lot of players are considering going. So it's not ideal. But ultimately, if you if you keep winning trophies and the players keep playing well, then it's a policy that works. So keep keep it rolling. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit interested in uh, market value poll because. Um, uh, certainly in the Guardiola era, the City have been very, very, very careful of not being taken for a ride. Um, yeah, in some instances, like for Grealish last season, they'll happily pay the, the release clause of £100 million when on one player when they deem it necessary. Um, so, I mean, in terms of when they come to the negotiating table... Uh, what like what position are they in these days? Where does where does the history and the actions of walking away from deals like when Leicester wanted an extra ten million for Maguire, that sort of thing? Where, like where does that, where, yeah, yeah. yeah, where does that leave them in terms of uh, in terms of their their negotiating power these days? Because still, everyone knows City are loaded. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's kind of like in a statement p- p- position from Man City. I mean, it's a way of telling all the sides that are involved on on a transfer. What is City doing? Um, City, when they point to a player, when they decide that they want to sign a player, they are going to do kind of whatever it takes to get him. And when they know that the players want to join him, them. Um, but 
if on this way there are some obstacles in terms of like unexpected fees or just huge demands or just something that wasn't expected when they started figuring out what would it take to get, I don't know, Kyle Walker from Tottenham or just whatever player it, it, it could be, um, they, they, they can walk away. They, they can walk away because it is a bit of like showing the clubs and the agents how City works. And I think that it's proven like a successful strategy along the way. I think that walking away from Alexis Sanchez, from, from Harry Maguire, I, I think that the Harry Maguire deal, it's quite funny because at some point of that season, that was the season that City didn't, well, the Fernandinho and Otamendi decision at the middle of the defense. Um, someone at City regretted not to sign Harry Maguire because they really needed the centre-back. But now time, I think that has proven that it was a good move for City just to walk away and wait for another option like Ruben Diaz, which hasn't pan out like in a bad way. Um, so, yeah, basically I think it's kind of like a statement from City just to show everyone how they are operating. They have money they can pay, but they are not going to get scammed, if you want to call it that way. You want to know the real funny thing about Maguire? I think I heard that. Who told me this? I mean, apologies if this was Paul. Um, <laughs> um, so when Mourinho was United manager, he wanted to sign Maguire for something like thirty or fifty million or something, and United were like, "No, we don't don't believe he's worth that." And then obviously they sacked Mourinho, and then Solskjaer wanted Maguire, and they paid eighty-five million for him. And I mean, look, it's been a disaster partly because of the the environment he's in, but just it just goes to show that 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 kind of mess that United are in, where. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give Mourinho the kind of players he wanted. And I'm not going into a whole debate about whether that should have happened or not. But to, to say, no, we don't want him. And then exactly the same hierarchy back the next manager for like an extra 50 million. And then for it to turn out to be such a massive shambles. Just kind of, yeah, that's, that's the real amusing, amusing thing about that. And I mean, my controversial opinion about Maguire is if he played for City, he wouldn't look anywhere near as bad. I think it'd look really good. But well, I was going to ask Sam if City are better off for having pulled out of these deals. Oh, you never know. Like people always said that about Jorginho, and then last summer, like people were talking about Jorginho winning the yeah. Ballon d'Or and stuff. Um, but I, I just think look, Jorginho went to Chelsea when they had Sarri. That didn't really go too well, and then they had Lampard. Obviously, didn't go well. And then obviously, when he got a, a manager in the kind of suited his style of play, he played really well, and he played really well for Italy. Um, like anyone who goes to any of these players who United have signed instead of City have all been regarded as a bullet dodge but they've gone to a club with kind of no structure whatsoever off the pitch or on it I think if you put good players which these guys are into a team like Man City they're going to look better so I, I, I find it very hard to, to decide if these are bullets dodged or not you know unless they've got some kind of long-standing knee problem which nobody knew about then you could say that but in terms of how they play I, I don't. I, I don't think they'd have been bad players, and I don't think if you'd put Maguire or Sancho or Jorginho in this City team, they'd have they'd have struggled at all. Not at all. Yeah, that's a bit of the angle of why City could have considered to get Pogba into the team this summer. Ah, Pogba, yeah, yeah, that would have been. I, I I wish that would have happened. I wish that would have happened. It would have been great. It would have from every level. It would have been fucking brilliant. Like the 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 reaction to from City fans, from United fans. Um, the media interests, like the the fundamental, how he fits in, how it works, how does it go with, how does it work with Guardiola, how does it work with the balance of the squad, talking about players like not expecting to play every game or whatever it may be, where does he play, what is his best position, does, you know, does he come into City and is he brilliant and all of a sudden United fans are like double fuming because he's had like five good games in five years for United, like it just, it, oh, it would have been great, it would have been absolutely 
mega. Like it would have been up there with Haaland for transfers that I would have wanted to see. Slightly below Haaland because that is you know top level excitement. But Pogba, Pogba at City would have just been ah oh, chef's kiss. It would have been amazing. Knowing uh, knowing that City are prepared to put to walk away from deals when they when they don't see the value in them, Paul does it does it make forward planning a little bit harder because they have to have options? Surely, if they they can't set the sights on one player, if they know that if if ultimately that deal is just not going to happen, and we saw what happened with Kane last summer, they set the sights on Kane and then ended up just not bringing anybody in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think that when City set the sides or just consider that they can chase someone, it's, because, it's just because they feel that they can pull it out because they have spoken or sensed something in the environment or, or just in the player's scam or through some agents on, on the club and stuff that make them feel that the deal can happen. Um, if they don't feel that, they don't go there. Um, that was the case with Kane, because um, I think that Harry Kane's camp, his brother uh, and his agency were quite confident in that. Well, I don't know if confident is the word, but they just wanted the, the, the deal to happen. Um, so, yeah. Happened with Messi, happened with Jorginho, Alexis yeah. Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. With Jorginho, it was kind of the same. And with Alexis Sanchez, of course, it was more of the same because Alexis Sanchez was almost signed. And then last minute, he went to to Man United. But yeah, um, I think that, yeah, it, it was basically that. City want to have an idea if they can pull out the deal and if they can do it, they go there. Then it can happen that things turn out badly. But yeah, City has like a lot of research done before going for a transfer. Yeah. Does it affect selling players at all, uh, do you think, Sam? Because in a normal world, like the, I guess the, the, the line of anyone can leave if you want, if you want to and you get us the right offer is, is absolutely fine. Uh, but again, in a, in a post-COVID market, like nobody can often pay the right offer, can they? No, they can't. I think, didn't we talk about this recently? Like basically, unless your contract's got a year left to run, which is why Jesus was going for 45 and why Sterling may go for around that, you know, ho- hopefully a bit more, you'd like to think. Um, other than that, I think that City players are just too expensive generally. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see with Bernardo Silva what happens. You know, Paul's explained that situation very well in an article already, which is definitely worth reading. And, you know, and it looks very unlikely that Barca will get him. But, you know, if Barca do get these financial levers going, they will try and Bernardo Silva would want to go. So, yeah, uh, it, it can be difficult. But I think the main thing is City players are normally so good, so desirable um, and so well paid. It's difficult to get them anyway. Um, and then if their contracts are expiring, it helps. Because look at the the top players, the players that have left that you wouldn't necessarily want to leave. Um, obviously, like Guardiola was, I think, happy for happy enough for Sane to go for, for more reasons than one. But Sane, year left on his contract. Jesus, year left on his contract. Sterling, years left on his contract. If it's not for that, it's just too difficult anyway, especially in post-COVID, like everyone's struggling. It's not like Barca are the financial powerhouses they once were. But if they can, you know what they're like, you know, they're very irresponsible, aren't they? If they can... It's it's kind of like that thing, you know, I've got a, a family member, let's say, who's kind of like got, you know, they're like, they they owe somebody like a grand, but they'll go and spend like 200 on a tattoo or something. That's basically Barca. You know, just, just because they've got no money, if they do get some, they're not going to make themselves more financially stable. They'll just go and buy Bernardo Silva or try, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, those, those, le- those like pockets are getting really burnt by uh, by the coins, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. They 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 can't help themselves. So yeah, exactly. But um, it's just, it's just difficult overall with to buy city players for the reasons outlined. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We'll take some more questions uh, from Twitter shortly, so you can uh, you can DM them to me if you uh, are listening along on Twitter. Um, uh, Sam, I just want to start by uh, looking at, at, at kind of like the nuts and bolts of a transfer story as well. Um, because I have a look at your replies sometimes, and um, they're an absolute bin fire of people just continually asking you for updates on X, Y, or Z. Um, mm, yeah, so, like, like what, I mean, I just can't. I, I haven't got the mental capacity for it anymore. What What goes into a transfer story then? So, like, you've obviously you've got you, you, we get all these little moments along the way of a transfer story, but ultimately, what what makes a piece? Why why like why do you go with some information and not other information? Um. Well, there's like there's a funny example here. You know, we were talking recently about like like the idea of Sterling going to Chelsea, or when's Haaland going to be announced? When's when Haaland was going to be announced was the main thing because like everyone was asking, oh, "What's going on with Haaland? What's going on with that?" Everyone was like shitting themselves that he was going to go to Real Madrid. It's like, what do you what do you think he did when he was at the training ground? Just like wore the shirt and didn't sign a contract? Like, it, but, like from from. And I'm not saying like the people are wrong to be worried about. It. I'm just saying from my point of view, my perspective is different because you know it's all fine. You know it's all done. It, it's no longer a, a problem. You know, once there's that agreement, once they're at the training ground, it doesn't matter. So it's like last week, like, or for like a couple of weeks, everyone was like, oh, when's Calvin Phillips having his medical? When's Calvin Phillips having his medical? Like I knew, Paul knew, Phil Hay knew, what, last Tuesday, Wednesday? It was going to be Friday. And we just kind of put it in our Slack channels, like, okay, the announcement might be Friday. You know, so get all our stuff ready for then. But like, I don't know if any one of us thought this is a news story. And then obviously like Thursday evening, Friday, it was like, Calvin Phillips is having his medical today, like breaking news. It's like, who gives a shit? Like, the only, I think the only time somebody having a medical is especially important, because I get, I get it's all part of the process and, you know, it's nearly done. It's a big indicator. But I think the only time it's like a like, wow story that needs doing is if you didn't have any idea that this guy was going to sign for a club before, or they might, you know, eat, let's say a three clubs want a player and all of a sudden he's at, he's at one club for a medical. That's when it's good. But when it's like Calvin Phillips, everyone knows the deal's agreed. It's just it's just a matter of time, isn't it? So there, there's that different perspective of, I don't care when someone's medical is. You know, we know it's going to happen, so fine. Um, in terms of go with some info and not others, I mean, I suppose the short answer is just, you know, you, you know who you can trust and, and, and you know who you can't. Like sometimes you get info coming at you from nowhere like oh, i'm always getting sent stuff like i've oh, my mates heard this or i've heard this or i've seen this or whatever and then obviously you've got to go and check it out with other journalists you know who work we work with you know go and ask ornstein now obviously we can ask paul um and then you know obviously if it's true then you're, okay this, this guy might be useful for future and that, that's how it works if it's not true then you just go i'll oh, forget that but it's just it's just doing the checks and obviously 
I've been doing this for like five or six years now. You know, if somebody tells you something, it'll be reliable and you can not go with it straight away because you need confirmation from, from elsewhere. But you know what's really worth checking out. But I mean, the problem is when you get these ones, oh, my mate so-and-so, and you know you've got to check them out and you know you've got to go and ask either an, an agent or a family member or like another journalist. Like I, I don't know what my reputation is like among my colleagues because when it comes to transfers, the amount of, I've just had this on Twitter from so-and-so saying he knows so-and-so. We, I mean, oh, we need to look, like, I, I need to look into this because if this is true and we don't look into it, then we've missed, like, we've missed a real open goal here and that does happen. So basically you need to check everything out and then, and then you know you can just work out from there if they're if they're um, reliable or not. Yeah, um, I do wonder, Sam, if the if Twitter and uh, kind of social media has broken what uh, is breaking news. Do you know what I mean? Um, like like you just talking about breaking Calvin Calvin yeah yeah Cal, Calvin Phillips is having his medical breaking news. It's like it's not. Can it be breaking news if we knew it was going to happen at this time? Uh, well, I, well, I suppose the whole point is people didn't widely know when. Um, when it was going to happen, but yeah, it it's it's the rolling news generation. But then, kind of obviously, Twitter is rolling news times ten, isn't it? It's not just we'll give you the we'll give you the headlines on the hour every hour. It's just, we want a headline fucking at thirty seven minutes past, please. You know, just, <laughs> if something's happening, let us know. But I mean, yeah, it it's it's a mad one because you never know. Like, there's so much stuff that goes into transfer reporting and stuff like. There's no one golden rule to say, oh, look out for this and that'll be true or look out. Because I could say, sometimes when it says a source close to the player, sometimes it's the player themselves. You know, sometimes stories are written and the stories with like the least info in are the most informed because the journalist knows exactly what's going on because they've been told exactly what's been going on by at least two sources, but they can't bring that in. So all they have to say is, oh yeah, um, Leeds are expecting a bid from Man City for Calvin Phillips, which means fuck all for all the people who are like reading five Calvin story, Calvin Phillips stories a week. That story is bang on. But, but I can't say, oh, if ever there's a story with not much info in, you should believe that. Because sometimes there's loads of stories with no info in. They're just absolute shite. Like there's, there is no golden rule. There is, there's nothing I can say like for a tip of, you should believe this, you shouldn't believe that. So I, I, I understand why everyone's replying saying, what about Delict or what about Serge Nabry or whatever? Because there's just so much out there. Um, but yeah, basically the golden rule as far as we're concerned is if there is a proper update then uh, that we know about, then we'll write it. And if there's a proper update that we might be sure enough about to mention on a podcast because it's something we're working on, then there's that as well. But the chances of going, oh yeah, here's all this info that I wasn't going to write for a story, but I'll put on Twitter. Is you know very slim. Yeah. Um, interesting question from Ian Paul, um, who says, "How do you identify what information from sources can be trusted versus information being used to push someone? For example, uh, agent-specific uh, agendas for a player." That that's just probably the biggest one. That's just probably the biggest one. Boy, it's a bit of uh, what Sam was saying, like the relationship that you have with the source. If it's like one guy that just comes to you out of the blue just telling you, look, I have this info. I mean, um, I think that we have the kind of duty to put that into quarantine and just to double or triple check it. But then if you got some nugget of info from a source which is good or just with a person that you are confident with, um, then, I mean, you feel like more calm or just relaxed on, on what you have. It's a bit of 
Yeah, it's a bit of intuition and just dealing with people, basically. Um, I guess um, I don't have the amount of people just writing me DMs um, like Sam has, but I've seen some of it, and it's kind of mental. It's, it's kind of mental, and I think, I think it's just because of social media that has broken, like, kind of so, so, society somehow. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of the work that, that, that yeah, we have to do, and and kind of used to it that actually to be honest yeah this is uh, i like this question from uh, jg as well uh, and i'm sorry to put you both on the spot with it but uh what's the most unlikely source you've ever had on a transfer that turned out to be accurate obviously you can't name specific sources if you if you can't uh, can't name them but like the, the, there's the, there must be something that you've gone oh that this is this is rubbish and then all of a sudden it's turned out to be uh, to be true yeah i got a good one i got a good one um because i got a whatsapp um of one kind of source just um telling me that a plumber told him that he was working on a player's house to do some stuff because he was moving and I, and i told him look i'm not going to believe a plumber that i don't even know um i don't even know who he is if he's real if he exists and it turned out to be real basically and i just missed out a good this is what new, i mean like this is why if you get this stuff you've got to check it out yeah, and you might yeah. look like a dick with the people you're asking, but if it's true, the benefits you know far outweigh the negatives. Uh, I've got, I mean, I've got, I've got just millions of those. Like it's unbelievable. In the last, in the last two years, I've basically had two where it's been like, oh, my mate is the relative of executive at X club, and this is happening. And then you think, right, so oh, one of them was when they signed Ake. And I was like, right. And so this was like the the day that the Ake news came out was like the day after City had signed Torres, wasn't it? And do you remember there was a lot of like people in Spain saying, oh, it's like 32 million euros or whatever. And like City were like, no, it's like 22 million euros uh, or 22 million pounds plus these add-ons. It's not that. Very much on top of it. I got a message saying like, oh yeah, my, my mate is so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. It, you know, the, the deal was agreed last night for Ake. It's going to come out. Um so I kind of, I was like, well, I need to check this out. Um, I was like, I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll go to City. Um, ch- checked it out. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant as I'm saying this, but it's true. So here we are. And, you know, fuck it. Um, As City, you know, I was like, oh, I've, I've heard that, um, you know, Nathan, Nathan Ake's done now. Um, but I, I know that you're very kind of keen on, getting the price right for Torres. So I want to know what, what you know, what what's the fee for Ake? Because I don't want to be misreporting it. I don't want you to have to come out later on and say, no, it's different. And I was told, no, um, you know, nothing's happening with that. We're not, we're not expecting anything to happen. Um, you know, there's no break, no breakthrough. Uh, all that, you know, that kind of stuff. Forget it. Not true. Whatever. So, all right, okay, fine. Like immediately after that phone call, it started coming out from like Southern journalists, not London journalists. Ake is going to city for like 40 million or whatever. And then, I'm going to be generous and say 30 minutes after the phone call, but I do think it was like 20 minutes or like 22. Just got a message from the person I was speaking to saying, yeah, it's 40 million plus one in add-ons. And I was like, <laughs> fucking brilliant. So do you know what I mean in terms of who do you trust? Turns out in this in this case, it's some fucker who knows that Bournemouth chairman's daughter or whatever, it, not rather than a football club. Like It's an absolute minefield. And then there was another one where it was like, oh, I went to uni with so-and-so's son. This is the bid, and also this is the player that the club are trying to buy as a replacement, and that that was all true. Um, just just loads of those, and like 
early yeah do you remember it was the friday night that news of pogba to city as an option came out wasn't it i was in london that day and i was speaking to my estate agent because we're moving home and he was like oh i know someone who you know lets out houses to to footballers i think it was like cavani's house or something and he was like he showed he said he showed pogba around the other day and i was like what the f-? i was like, what what i was like well he's not going to sign a new contract at united is he i was like maybe he's buying it maybe he's buying it for his family uh, just for his, like for his brother or something, I don't know. And he was like, "Well, because he, he wants to get like a swimming pool put in, a little bit extravagant f- for like a family member." I was like, "I just couldn't get my head around why Pogba would possibly be looking for a house in Manchester in like May." Uh, and then, literally, like six hours later, it was Man City were trying to sign Pogba this summer. I was like, "Fucking hell!" So it was literally because of that. Um, so yeah, it's it's mad how often these things do do come about. Um, and I mean, the the problem is. Because it's it's not it's not always black and white either. I've had some, especially last summer, where it was more regarding Kane. Loads of people who were like gave info that was spot on in terms of Kane and and you know who he'd spoken to at City and you know all, all these kind of really specific things. But then towards the end of the window, they were really like, oh yeah, this is this deal is going to happen. You know, this is you know it's going to be next Thursday or whatever. And then it just wasn't happening. And then like, as we kept doing the podcast at the time, all the info we had from like the you know, David Ornstein and Jack Pitbrook at Spurs and Charlie Eccleshow at Spurs. They're, all their info was just, this is not going to happen. They're just not entertaining it whatsoever. But like these guys that were messaging me who kind of, oh, I play golf with so-and-so or I'm a chef here or whatever. Like some of the info was right. And then you know it's right because you can confirm it. But then when it gets to other bits, for whatever reason, it's wrong. So it's just, it's just an absolute minefield, you know, it, whether it, <laughs> you end up believing people who you didn't know five minutes ago over football clubs and then you end up maybe you can believe them too much. It's yeah, it is a minefield. But those those kind of unlikely sources they do crop up a lot. Um, I, I, my my colleagues must just think that's basically where I get all my stuff from because every basically every transfer it's like oh, I've heard this from fuck I don't know like <laughs> some bloke on Twitter. Yeah, the chef's brother or something is mental. Yeah, I'm going to finish with some uh, questions from Twitter. Um, Elliot says, do clubs in the real world even bother talking to another club about a transfer fee if they've not already tapped up the player and have some kind of agreement already? Um, Paul, this this just seems like good business to me. If you if you if you if you if, if you want to go after a player and then you, fa- you you do all the negotiating with the club only to find out that the player doesn't actually want to come, it's just it's such a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, I think that. I'll- I mean, in, leg- in legal terms, you you cannot speak to any player before like breaching uh, like an agreement with a club. But I don't think that any club does that. Honestly, I don't think that any club in the world um, goes after a player without knowing if he wants to join them. Basically, that's just a fact. Um, and City does it, and I don't know, Man United does it, Chelsea does it, Liverpool does it, and Barcelona and, and Real Madrid do it. So that's a common thing in the world of football, and I don't think that. Any club is going to complain about that. Whenever you hear of somebody, they, they they might reply. They might report somebody to FIFA for tapping up. It's like are you fucking sure. Like literally everybody, literally yeah. everybody does. It. And like you say, it just makes sense. Like why why would you like go through like a month like month or two month long process of like that thing with Harry Kane? You go through all summer with City going. What about this? No. What about that? And obviously, like there were no like official bids between the first one and it falling apart. But imagine they spent all summer with Daniel Levy and finally went right 150 million. And they go, all right, Harry, do you want to come? He's like, no, I'm all right. <laughs> I've, I've <laughs> yeah. just built a golf course on my house down here. Like I'm, I'm staying. You're like, well, it's just a fucking absolute waste of time, isn't it? It's, it's mad that people get worried about this. Yeah, I think that all the personal terms are kind of agreed before uh, the clubs reach a deal. 100%. Like all the personal terms are like done. Done. 
I think I haven't seen like a transfer or I, or I haven't seen a deal in which the personal terms weren't, weren't even discussed when they reached an agreement with the club. Yeah. Um, KRG says, have there been any worries in the City camp with a lack of wingers this season and the really ageing box-to-box midfielders like Gundogan and De Bruyne both being over 30? Um, specifically if, um, I mean, it, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but it might happen on the off chance that Bernardo Silva leaves. Um, I don't think, as of now, the plan of City is that doesn't go through signing a winger or signing a box-to-box midfielder. I think that if, as, as I said before, if uh, if Nathan Ake leaves, probably a new centre-back is going to come in. But they don't expect Bernardo Silva to leave. So that's a starting point, so they don't need a replacement there. Um, and about the winger thing, it's an interesting point. I think that if they don't sign one this summer, next season is going to be like one of the biggest targets for sure. Because, of course, with, with Oscar Bill Jesus and, and Sterling potentially leaving now, uh, Riyad Mahrez contracts, um, well, in the last year of contract, let's see if he extends it or, or not, but it's going to be tricky. Um, so I think that for the next summer, it's going to be like top priority. But what I'm hearing now, like, because I've seen like the search Navi rumors on, on Twitter and stuff, I haven't heard that City is after a new winger or a box-to-box midfielder. Yeah. I was going to say, Sam, Tarek asks, is there anything in the Serge Gnabry rumours or is it just guesswork? Like, if Sterling is to leave, is he a serious target? I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it's guesswork. I don't, I don't know where the stories have come from. I mean, like I say, it's a, it's a minefield. So <laughs> I, wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say it's guesswork. But no, like, like, like Paul just said. And well, like we've, we've kind of said all summer, like there's, City haven't gone into this window expecting to sign a winger, but they did go into it expecting that there's a chance that, well, they knew that Jesus was going to leave and that Sterling might. So, you know, it, that hasn't caught them by surprise and they weren't expecting to sign one. Like, hypothetically speaking, maybe at some point in the summer or if there's an injury, they might go, shit, okay, we are actually really short here. But to go back to your question, the first question that you just asked to Paul, is there any worry in the club about lack of fast wingers or box-to-box midfielder? Not essential, not, not especially because they're not, you know, they're not, they're not planning to, to rectify that. They've got enough, they believe that there's enough options up front. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of feel it maybe a little I don't know needing look on their side for everything to go their way um in terms of that depth up front but um I don't no, I don't I don't think City are especially concerned look if, if next season doesn't go well we can look back and say maybe they should have been or maybe we'll get some info that we thought oh maybe they were concerned um but look last last summer when they didn't sign Kane or Ronaldo or anybody else Guardiola was like oh fuck like fuck, like we haven't got a, we haven't got a number nine. Fuck, like that was it behind us. You know, he, he, in front of the cameras, it was oh, you know, you're going to ask me if we've, we don't need a number nine when we win five nil and blah blah blah. And he was all relaxed about it. But behind the scenes, it was like fucking hell. This is the one thing we needed and we haven't got. But that's not what they're thinking right now. They're not thinking shit. We really need a right winger, otherwise we're in trouble. That it's just not. It's just not how it is. Yeah, um, just to kind of folding that into Gazi's question, Paul, as well, is, uh, is he says, is anyone expecting a formation shift, especially if Kukurea arrives? Lots of chat online about a back three or maybe 4-2-3-1. What do you think? Uh, I think City is actually playing with a back three right now in disguise, with Cancelo popping up like in midfield and just Walker staying as a third centre-back. As a third centre back. So it's kind of a fake back three. And the 4-2-3-1, I mean, it's been... 
done a lot this in the last part of the season with with Bernardo Silva as a double pivot but I think and that just expect speculation from 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 my side because I don't have like information on that that with with Holland up front it's going to be like more space for the attacking midfielders in there because Holland is gonna like make the center back to just just to stay on their feet just t- taking care of him so there's going to be like more space for like two attacking midfielders in there, so I believe they are going to be especially key. Um, but we'll see. I think that City is going to... The the idea is going to be the same. The idea is going to be the same, and depending on the players that arrive, I think that if Kukuroya arrives, they have an option to make the pitch wider uh, from another way that, that they haven't had so far. Um, but the idea is going to be the same, in my opinion. Yeah. Like Basically, what options do they not have last season? And I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a lot of more specific tactical stuff that we could really think of. But they didn't, they didn't really have a, a, a wide fullback who could attack the the width uh, on the left, and they didn't have a number nine. Now that if they get Kukurea, they've got that option, and if obviously with Haaland and Alvarez, they've got a number nine. So they've just got more variety there. I don't think it's like, you know, may, maybe they can, you know, use a kind of wing back in one game. But you know, it's like Guardiola, but like, okay, well, in in this game we're going to need Grealish to come in off the right. And we can use Kukurea on the left, or you know, sometimes it's we're going to use Foden to stay wide on the left, and we use Cancelo to come inside, or maybe it's you know, so, for some reason they use Grealish on the to stay a bit wider himself, and and Cancelo can come inside. There's just, it, you know, what Guardiola's like. It's just a million different options for different scenarios, and Kukurea and we still, and we still don't get comes. it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Kukurea would give them another option if he comes, and Haaland obviously does, and Alvarez obviously does. They're just more rounded in a way although obviously maybe they're missing a bit of dynamism on the right side of the attack but you know they're not significantly weaker are they I mean, they're stronger for sure if the tran- if the transfers go as we expect them to yeah uh one final question to finish us off this week and uh paul i'm very sorry that i am putting this one to you again at the end of a podcast uh quicksilver says uh what is the situation with the new pep deal is the one is there a new pep deal i think that it um i don't i cannot imagine um City being discussing it with Pep right now. Um, I think that it's going to be a matter of first getting to Manchester next Monday, um, seeing how the first week goes, seeing how the transfer market pans out. But I don't think that there are any major updates to report in here. It's a thing that I'm quite on it or I'm trying to be on top of it. Um, but if I, had, if I have to say something now is that there is nothing new. Yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, probably the best place to finish. So that's the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thank you very much to Sam Lee. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much, lads. Got there in uh, the end. Got there in the end. And uh, thanks to Paul Bias. Yeah, and thanks for all the patience for my inability to switch Twitter spaces and the clean feed altogether. We'll uh, we'll get there in the end. I did notice that you've uh, that that final answer did uh, go absolutely quiet because you're muted on on uh, Twitter Spaces. So it's been Jesus, so if anybody wants now, to know Jesus. the answer to that question, they're going to have to listen to the podcast, aren't they? Uh, don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now for one pound a month for six months. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.